Hey, welcome to the Truth About Real Estate. I'm your host, Matthew Ma, and today we are excited to have two guests, new guests here. We're going to be talking about real estate investing, how to use other people's monies, and how to begin and invest in your community with Kira Gray and Khalil Okta. Um, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, first, first off, tell us about um, Charm City Buyers and then how that came to be. Yeah, so we started investing about 10 years ago, um, fresh out of college, really looking for how can we transition out of, you know, focusing on at that time, the conversation was around whether or not you're going to be able to get Social Security by the time it was, you know, for us to retire. And so we decided to, to take a little bit more control over what that was and what that was going to look like for us. Um, and decided um, after some toiling that real estate was going to be that spot for us. And so over the years, really being focused on um, not only just investing and trying to build wealth and buy properties, but how do we really invest in communities and how do we make sure that we're adding value in these communities in which we're investing? So we are diehard about Baltimore, Maryland, Close born and yeah. raised in Baltimore. Nice. Um, and that's where we've placed our roots on how we've been able to, you know, build wealth through real estate, but also really impact the community as a result. That's a big goal and really ambitious and definitely, you know, helping to improve the community and add value. And you guys look pretty young too. And you started, you started a couple years ago, you said like 10 years. Yep. About yeah, 10 years right ago. Out of college, fresh, fresh out of college. Yeah. We were a couple months yeah. out of, I was a couple months out of, out of graduating college before we bought our, our very first deal. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's amazing because most people out of college don't start to jump into real estate that easily. And then to buy your first place as well out of college, that takes a lot of work. How did you even get started to think about doing real estate like you know was it before college in high school how did you get started yeah so for Kiara it was before college she can talk on that for me entrepreneurship was always the path yeah like period I had at no point in my life that I know that I think that I was going to climb a corporate ladder that I plan on staying at a job for the rest of my life the retirement <laughs> like none of that kind of resonated with me um I always knew that some kind of ownership some type of entrepreneurship uh was going to be the path so when Kiara presented real estate like checks a lot of boxes for me, mm -hmm. wealth, community, residual income, all those good things. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. And so for me, so I was that kid that was young and I'm like, mom, you know, we should buy that house or, you know, talking about stocks being way too young to be talking about <laughs> stocks. And so um, one of my goals when I was younger, probably around 12, 13, um, was to start investing in real estate after I graduated college. Um, you know, it didn't really make sense when I talked about it with with family. Um, and so at that time, it was really, you know, about when I got to a certain point, that was something, a goal that I had set for myself. Nice. That's a good goal. And I don't think most kids want to talk about real estate when they're like 12, 13 years old and start thinking about, hey, let's buy this house. Like, yeah, you know, like, even why? And then were your parents in real estate before? No, no, not at all. So I grew up in um, Pennsylvania in like a farm town, rural, rural Pennsylvania. And so as I grew up, I watched farmland get sold and turned into housing, um, new construction housing. And so that process was always really interesting to me. Um, and then I think around that time, at some point, like HGTV started was like a brand new network. Like, so it was, I was just kind of out of that um, out of that time period and watching those transformations just always really, really excited me. 
Um, and so that's what spurred that that whole conversation into you know wanting to actually invest. And in that that time, I was probably thinking more so about being an agent or just mm, being in the yeah. real estate industry. And then it grew into actually you know not only just investing in real estate but becoming a developer um, in real estate uh, ten years later. Nice. That's a lot of work. And then going back to that too, like when you started thinking about it, were your parents like helping you? Did they, would they say, why are you doing, why are you, why are you even thinking about that? You're too young or like, you know, like telling you like, go get a job. Don't go, don't think about real estate. It's too hard. It's too, um, it's not, it's too much, too risk. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. So, you know, it's funny. We didn't tell our parents at first mm -hmm. for those exact reasons. Yeah. Like we didn't want any kind of negative energy coming toward us. We wanted to just keep it tight and like make it happen. My, my thought process was like, okay, we're young enough where if we bump our head and we mess up and this is catastrophic, that's fine. We can always re rebound. We're yeah. in our early twenties, so it's fine. Right. Um, but what we did not want uh, our friends and family who had never been in a space, never pushed themselves past those those limits to tell us that we can't. Yeah. And they probably would have been supportive. But yeah. to close point, right, you can only really see and understand what you've seen before. And so Chloe and I, we knew we didn't need any help to be scared. Right. You usually <laughs> don't need help to have fear about trying to do something new or hit new levels or go to new heights. And so we decided to really keep that. Um, keep those those dreams, right? Someone said you don't want to tell big dreams to small minds. And so we wanted to keep those big dreams between us so that we could manage our own fear yeah. between the two of us um, versus adding on all of that additional you know, thoughts. But to that point, though, because a lot of people getting into real estate, they might have friends or family or someone that's kind of footing the bill. You know, for us, it was really um, bootstrapping and getting creative and, and really digging deep into accomplishing our goals. Cause usually, you know, fresh out of college folks don't have a whole lot of cash and we weren't yeah. that different. Um, we just knew that we had a goal and we're willing to do what we had to do to make it, make it happen. How do you guys like, especially like, if you're coming out of college and you're going to say, Hey, I need a job. I need money. I need, I, I'm living at home for example. Um, and then you start thinking about real estate, like, and you're going to figure out, okay, how do I buy real estate? And you know, you're just coming out of college. Like where's the money coming from? How do you even get a house? How did you learn about the real estate aspect, the financials, the like loan qualifications, or even using other people's money? How did you guys think about that? Mentors, coaches online? Yeah. So at the time we were kind of figuring out what direction we wanted to go as far as kind of getting out of or having creating new options, new streams of income. And so we would go to where people were having those conversations. So we would go to the real estate association meetings we'd be able to listen into those conversations to start learning and understanding concepts and getting comfortable with terms, at least at a high level. Um, and then at that time, because we had set that goal and decided that we were going to do something together, um, we also at that time were starting to save to get married. So there was kind of that piece of it as well, where I had a roommate. So I was, you know, not spending top dollar um, to be able to save. Um, Khalil graduated college and moved back home with his parents to be able to, to really save and, and put money aside. Um, and that actually became the seed money for our very first deal. Um, so our first deal we had found um, online through an online auctioneer um, and we had saved up was $26,000 cash um, and we had saved up probably like 29 um, and decided to, to go all in um, wow. to kind of learn and, and put things into action at, yep. right on the dot. Yeah, we didn't have a choice. We just, I mean, with that much cash dumped into the first project, it's like, all right, well, 
Time to figure it out. We win or we win, right? There is no losing. (laughs) That's pretty tough and scary. And I'm glad you guys had each other and you found each other because actually it's really hard to find a partner who's going to have the same kind of mindset and goals and vision to end the risk tolerance to do it and say, hey, this is our money. This is what we got after college. You're going to take a risk and do it. And that's not easy to find a partner to do that at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you guys read each other well. You guys understand each other, and you guys are willing to take it together, like ride or die together, right? Basically, yeah. that's, that's yeah. the best way to do it because, yeah. really, you know, you're helping and each we other really, too. Yeah, we were really intentional about that conversation mm-hmm. too. So, like, as as a couple, when we sat down and and we mapped out, like, what is it that I wanted to do and saw my, for myself and what I wanted to accomplish as an individual him the same thing and we sat down and mapped out okay well if we're going to get married we're going to do this thing long term what does that look like together and so those conversations happened before we decided what we're doing the money or before we probably even talked about how much each other had in the bank in the first place we talked about what it was that we were looking to do and accomplish together and so as we've gone through the ebbs and flows of business as well as the ebbs and flows of marriage we've always had um, kind of a, a set goal and vision for where we were headed um, and constantly try to stay on top of each other as, as we've all kind of, you evolve in your 20s, right? Um, and yeah. so evolving that that mission and, and that vision together. But yeah, we were very intentional about having those conversations up front so that it made the rest of that journey a whole lot smoother. Yeah, I mean, we sat down, we did a vision boards, mm-hmm. we set up like conversations, we had late night conversations, early morning conversations. Yeah. And it was never about like, oh, this job sucks. It was always like, okay, this is a means to an end, right? We're going to yeah. use this to get to our next level, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very nice. I got to ask you about that because I know a lot of people out there have the issue of like, being really open and having deep conversations with their other partner. And yeah. it's hard because you don't want to step on each other's toes. You're not 100% sure. Even if you're getting married, some people just like, oh, I don't want to really talk about money, financing, risk. And how do you clearly communicate with the other person? They might not be as receptive as you two are, but how can you help them? open the dialogue to say, hey, I really want to get into investing. I want to get to real estate passive income. How do you help them? What can yeah. you say to them? I think one thing that I do, especially when we're talking to some of the couples that we work with who are investing in real estate, um, we talk about really being open about your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, when you kind of back into your your overall goals, a lot of the rest of the conversation just kind of comes yeah. out a little bit more naturally. Um, when you ask someone, okay, well, what do you have in the bank and what's your credit score? <laughs> that can that can kind of close you up a little bit. But when you can open up to say, you know, what are your dreams and your visions and your goals for yourself? And then where are you in the process of making those things happen? Finances and credit are part of that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for us, and especially kind of growing up in our different households and things like that, we both grew up with both of our parents. We were able to identify the um, both the challenges and the benefits of how you communicate together. And I think we did a pretty good job of early on deciding what we wanted to do and what we didn't want to do in a relationship and knowing that communicating proactively was going to help us a whole lot more along the way than trying to figure it out and catch up later on, which I think is what a lot of people end up doing and end up getting kind of jammed up in the process. That's hard because yeah, even partnerships like business partners or even like yeah. you know, some people say, hey, I'm all about corporate jobs and some people say I'm entrepreneurs. That's really hard too. A corporate person and an entrepreneur, they don't really align too well because I, I like my stable income. I like, like my benefits. I like my vacation, sick days. You don't have any of that and you're working 100 hours. Why are you doing that? You're making less money. You're paying money out and mm-hmm. you're creating this. But to get 
over the fear, the space. And one of it could be just because of love and care. They don't want to see you fail or, you know, see yeah. you work so hard. And I understand that. But it's also yeah. like as an entrepreneur, like you can do so much more if you put your heart to it. And you might fail, but hopefully you're learning quickly enough to succeed. And it takes time, sometimes even 10 plus years. But, you know, they don't want to see that pain, right? Or they don't, some of them might not want to be along with the ride with you for that pain. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's hard to find a good partner, whether it's a romantic partner or, or platonic, doesn't matter. But as soon as you find somebody who resonates with you with the end, end goals, I think that's a really good point. Um, then like stick with it and mm -hmm. go, go through it. I think at the end of the day, we wanted positive impact on the world. We wanted to build wealth and we wanted to be able to pass something on. Mm -hmm. Like those are very, very broad ideas. Yeah. It can apply to just about anything. And real estate just happens to be the path to help us get there. Yeah. And we've spent a lot of time too getting to know each other so that um, when you try to come in with someone, we both have those similar goals and we're both entrepreneurial and we're working together. Um, and so a lot of times people think about how that can create conflict, which we're married and we do business together. There, there is that sometimes, yeah. right? There's plenty <laughs> of time for that. But we also are able to fill in each other's um, weaknesses and yep. balance each other's yep. strengths and hold each other accountable in ways that we wouldn't be able to with with other partners. And so we've now it's part of the culture of our household. Like this is mm -hmm. just what we do. Our daughter um, is about to be eight years old. She is in the office just as often as we are and can um, really run down a contractor on if they're on time or not on time just as well as we can. But but it's just the culture. Like that is yeah. what uh, the found one of the foundations on which we decided to build our entire household. That's amazing too. And yeah, it's always great to teach kids about financing and real life financing, real life real estate investing and starting at a young age. I'm starting my kids at babies, you know, I'm reading real estate to them just so they yeah. understand it and pick it up because it matters. Yeah. You need absolutely. real financial literacy, right? Yep, and absolutely. Good. I'm glad. And then you guys mentioned too early in, early on when you started, like did you guys become agents at all or you just went straight to investing? So um, I did end up going to get my um, my real estate license, taking a real estate class. Um, it was, again, one of those kind of goals, checklist items. Yeah. Um, I think also I was trying to get out of the house. I had just had Michaela. She was an infant, so I was able to leave. It was a little bit of self-care in there as well. But I did go and, uh, and take the classes and get my license. Okay, nice. Do you guys still have your licensing? Are you using it? I, I have it. I don't, I don't use, I don't like represent buyers and sellers at this point. Um, never really did. I just had it for ourselves, but, um, nice. but yeah, I do still have it licensed. Okay, good. Yeah. You can use it for yourself and buy and sell, invest. Um, and then you guys invest in your own real estate deals. Uh, yeah. You mentioned too, like community, like why does building a community matter? Is that people, some people just focus on just building the real estate themselves and like, how does the community part play into it? I think generally speaking, it's important to lift as you climb mm -hmm. and be able to always think about those who want to come along you and, and think about the, the trailblazing efforts that you're doing. So for us, it was, um, oh, for, for me, I should say specifically, it was always like, I've always, 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 it was like ingrained into me by my parents, by other members of the community to always look out for the community. Don't just uh, make it and then leave, make sure you come back and pull a few people with you type of, type of thing. Um, so when I had the, the, the chance and the, the opportunity with Kiara to say, okay, how do we pay it forward? Mm -hmm. How do we lift as we climb? How do we make sure that we're not the only ones? Because at the end of the day, um, yes, it's great to, to impact the, your, yourselves. It's great to impact the community, 
but it's it's like we, we have a kid too. We want Michaela to have friends that she can play with and talk about real estate with and have a good time with and grow old with. Um, so we have to build that. Mm-hmm. Right. We got to make sure that, that we're, we're positioning her for her next level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really important for, for me when we when we think about Baltimore and the cities like Baltimore, um, there's so many instances of investors and developers kind of coming in and doing their thing and making their money and, and moving on. Um, but there is this trail of residents who have lived there forever or community members who have been part of these these areas forever and no longer feel like they're part of this space. And so something that's always been really important to myself and Chloe as well is how, like how we invest in real estate, you know, how we think about these communities and neighborhoods. I'll, I'll never forget the very first deal that we did um, originally, we had planned on wholesaling it. That <laughs> fell through. We figured out we had to do it on our own. And part of the reason that fell through was because the reputation of the neighborhood in which we were investing and people just did not see, you know, regardless of what the numbers were and the numbers were tight um, and really good. They did not want to go into this area in this neighborhood. And we said, well, wait, you know, there's value here as well. And so that set the foundation for us to think about how do we go in and invest in these historically disinvested or overlooked neighborhoods and spaces because they, you know, these properties have not only have value, so do these communities. And we don't need to have, you know, vacant and derelict properties in these neighborhoods um, when there's folks who not only care about turning those vacant houses into homes, but also thinking about the people who live in them and who have lived in them in the past and who live next door. And so that's something that's always been really important to us when we talk about investing in real estate is also thinking about the communities in which we're investing and how we're, how we're adding value to those people and those places um, and those properties. And you know, what's funny as we, as we continue to do more and we, we like focus on mission driven and community um, more opportunities present themselves, whether it's permanently affordable housing, working with nonprofits, whether it's providing construction job opportunities for folks who live in the area, whether it's providing opportunities for people to participate um, financially in projects. Like it's just like we, we realize that there's so much more that we can do and we, we take pride in being able to, to do it. Yeah. That's really cool because, for example, I know some friends in the Bay Area who kind of do that too. They look at community as an aspect of real estate investing and fix and flips. By doing that too, like you actually can build a really strong community of investors, people who will get down and dirty with you and help do the remodeling, learn about it, go find deals, put it together with you. You find other people who are sellers who say, hey, I, yeah, they haven't honestly taken care of the place. They need to sell it. They, they'll reach out to you first because they know that you're a great investor who's just not fix and flip profits. You're actually creating a, create a community. The long-term effect of that too is that you're helping your next generation of Michaela and the kids grow up to a nice community and you're improving it, the area, the housing, the quality, the yeah. materials and everything. And by doing that too, if you think super long-term, like, hey, walk around. Hey, I over the years, our gen, our generation helped create this community. We actually built it. We helped buy, sell it, renovate it. And you walk down, like, it'd be amazing if you say, hey, this whole community was created by us one day, right? Exactly. How cool is it's, it's such an amazing opportunity like, to go and walk down the streets and the blocks and know that we did that or we, yeah. we spurred that development or all of our mentees across the city thinking about how many, you know, properties that they've done that we've had a part in transforming to help really write our own chapter in the history of Baltimore. Like that's amazing every single day to humble yourself and know that you have that that impact or the opportunity to make that level of impact. 
Exactly. If you could do block by block over time and change the community, change the businesses, help the businesses grow, more people come into it. Like that, that's a, that's one of the best things. It's kind of like monopoly in real life, but not the, about the yeah. money part. It's about the community part of things yeah. that change and improving it, and hopefully, you know, just helping everyone create more jobs, more uh, people to be there, and just make it better, better schools, better everything. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. That's a lot of fun. And you mentioned mentees too. That's even better too, because now you have, you're teaching others to do the same and learning, leading and learning by example. Uh, people see you and you partner with them to do the deals and it just changes the dynamic of, you know, Baltimore um, and makes it better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Our mentees are able to, to learn from our successes and our challenges and the hard work we put into building our team and understanding these resources and understanding how to navigate the city so that they can invest themselves, you know, really better, faster and smarter than we did. Right. So that they can spend their energy on growing their own portfolio and, and you know, really being able to find success rather than trying to, you know, flutter through just figuring it out in the School of Hard Knocks, especially knowing how expensive the School of Hard Knocks really is when you've kind of come in and figured it out on your own. And so we've been able to streamline that process, knowing how important Baltimore is into you know building community and, and building real estate and bu building wealth. Um, so with, you know, with what we're doing with our mentees, we're really creating that process where um, more people can find success more often with a whole lot less headaches. And so that's that's really the goal. Let's talk about that too. Like, how did you first start off getting educated in the real estate aspect of investing? Like, you guys started young, but how did you get started? Like, who, what did you do to learn about it really? Like, deeply? Yeah. So, we learn by doing. Um, oh, okay. So, we had to learn, like, literally, when I say the, the school of hard knocks, like, literally the school of hard knocks. We were, you know, fresh out of college. We didn't know much about anything at the time. And so, we had to learn by, by going through the process, by making mistakes. Uh, by learning from them and doing better the next time. Um, and so, you know, that process was um, was very interesting early on. I always say our very first deal, we um, made every mistake, you know, or came through every challenge that you could possibly think of, but also learned so many lessons that funneled into all the deals that we did thereafter. The difference between us and everyone else who learns without mentors or coaching or whatever else is that we didn't quit, yeah, right? Like that's... There is no no other magic sauce other than we leaned in to to continue um, versus quitting and um, deciding to just go back to work. Yeah, <laughs> consistently yeah. um, solutions oriented, like focusing on our why. That was huge. Mm -hmm. Freedom, wealth, all those good things, community impact um, and just like putting our head down and knowing that, OK, you build a wall one brick at a time. So just mm -hmm. like one brick at a time. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Nice. You mentioned why. So you mentioned freedom, um, passive income. What else? Like, what yeah. is your why? Co community impact, freedom. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our daughter, right? Making right. sure that the community that she grows in um, reflects her, and, and that she, um, you know, is surrounded by people who understand, you know, building wealth who look like her, where she's empowered to to be her very best self. That's, that's a huge one. And I think part of it, at some point, we also had a shift into um, just normalizing 
um, young, you know, investors of color specifically doing this mm-hmm. and, and doing it well and doing it with intention. I think that um, I'm quick to say that we're not unicorns. It's just that we had the audacity to lean in and, and really push forward to get things done in times when a lot of people would have uh, would have allowed fear to hold them back. And yeah. so that's something that's really, really important to us is that you know, we show that, you know, not only our successes and of course, you know, we've been blessed to have have them, um, but also the challenges that led to those successes along the way so that folks are able to learn from those failures. We can actually turn them into something because they're painful during the time. You know, when you're learning, you got the crappy contractor or the deal that wasn't as great as you thought it was. Um, but being able to take those lessons and and be able to leverage them so someone else doesn't have to learn the hard way is, is a really great thing. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And you know, one thing we talked about here is your why. D- does the why really matter? People always say like, I don't have time to think about my why. I just do it, right? You know? Yeah, it matters, right? absolutely. The why is so it's critical. Mindset is at least fifty percent of the journey, if not more. Yeah, it's not more. Definitely yeah. more. I think it's, it's probably better. like ninety, like 80, yeah, 90 yeah. percent. Like it's it's big, and that's still kind of going back to us having that thing to look forward to as a as a couple or as a unit, and the things that we look forward individually, those are all our whys, those things that pull you through um, the process when you're having challenges um, to make sure that you're, you know, staying focused on your goals and, you know, pushing through those hard times. So yeah, you when, you, when you understand your why, you'll push through faster and you'll get through anything because you understand it. But if you don't understand it, you're kind of just going by ear and just going, you're never getting to where you really want to go your maximum potential because you don't understand the why, right? Absolutely. And the beautiful thing is like over the years, the why shifts, right? It always kind of stays on one path, but you may be a little bit off just every now and then um, it, it, it changes, it, it shifts, but your, your why is what keeps you going. And, and until you find that why that, that allows you to run through a wall and get through anything at all, um, uh, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard because <laughs> there are tough things. <laughs> Even for you two, too, when each of you know, understand both of each other's why, you'll push each other even harder to make sure you both help each other because you don't want either of you to fail. So you, you understand it. But when people don't say it, they don't understand it, they don't think about it, then they never get there and they're not held accountable to it, right? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Writing stuff down, vision boarding, all of those things are really, really important to have that connection, making it real, making it tangible so that you're able to, to revert back to that when you have those those challenging moments and when you have like those really high highs to understand that, you know, there's there's another level that you need to be heading towards to keep you focused on those big goals. Yeah, I can't believe how much that mindset, that vision helps and putting it down on paper actually works and people yeah. need to do more. People need to be open to doing it. You know, I see a lot of people say they don't do any of them. Like, okay, well, you're never going to be where you want to be unless you actually do it. You got to change your mindset to do it, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. What are some of the biggest early mistakes or things you learned or share with others, like stories of things, challenges that you've gotten through, especially in the early days? Like, what did you learn? Yeah. So all about um, how you're building your team, like your team's critical yeah. in real estate. Right. And so really being intentional about uh, hiring slow and firing fast and how you're managing your contractors and building a bench, making sure you have options when it comes to who's on your team and who you're working with. We do very large construction jobs. So um, there's always um, there's always something going on. So having that building that bench, um, having the audacity to ask mm-hmm. in real estate is really important. So 
asking um, for whatever it is that you want or asking uh, to be able to creatively finance the deal. Maybe you're asking the seller to, to seller finance. Maybe you're asking um, to negotiate a little bit more. So having the, that audacity to ask has been a really big, uh, really big lesson for us as well. Yeah, yeah. And just like following the formula. Mm -hmm. it, it's fun to be creative. It's great to be creative and you can hit home runs. But at the end of the day, real estate is a numbers game, mm -hmm. right? Do the numbers work? Yes or no? Okay. If yes, move forward. If no, don't move forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Take emotions out. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. That um, finding the numbers, making sure it works, and then moving forward, even double checking the numbers with trusted people who who actually did it before. Yep. And then finding a team um, that you can you can work with. And I think the challenge for a lot of people right now is like, how do I find a team? What do I do? What do I say? How do I vet them? How do I actually trust them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's challenging if you haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. um, we like to tell people like, if you've got an opportunity, a, a project, a house. Like walk through it with at least three different contractors, three contractors of, of, of a trade. So three electricians, three plumbers, three generals, um, uh, just to kind of get a well-rounded picture, ask questions, take the knowledge that, that you learn from one, take it to, to the second, take the knowledge from the first and the second, talk to the third person and just kind of continue to grow and continue to e evolve as much as possible. Yeah. And the other hack I think a lot of people um, don't take advantage of as much as they should is the going to where contractors are, right? So if you go early morning to Home Depot or Lowe's, so before, you know, if they're gonna, you, most guys are at this, the uh, job site by 8.30, 9 o'clock, who's there waiting for the doors to open, right? Those are the folks who are being get, making sure they're getting prepared, they're getting ready for their day nice and early. So those are really great indicators. Um, when you're driving around and you see different construction trucks, pull over, right? If you're about to do a, a job and go take a look and get some business cards, like those are always great hacks to uh, to finding contractors that seem like they'd be really, really yeah. great. And not just Home Depot, go to Sherwin-Williams for a painter, go to the, the, the lumber yard for lumber, like mm -hmm. a, a framing contractor, like make sure you, you go to those places. Yeah. That's really important too, because even like nowadays, it's so crazy over here, especially like, um, all the contractors are super busy. They're all booked out. All the materials are kind of going down, limited cost is going up. How do you find good contractors? They all say they're busy. They all don't want to do your small jobs or medium jobs sometimes. And then some of them will come in, do it and delay the heck out of you and just right. do what they want and be gone the next month, right? Yes. Get over that fear and find the right person to work with. Yeah, no, right now is, is definitely yeah. a challenge for, for a lot of folks. Um, I'll tell you one thing that we did, we actually uh, acquired our, yeah. our favorite GC. So we <laughs> acquired a construction company okay, nice. that we've been working with, yeah, to be able to, to have a little bit more control over our own stuff um, and the stuff for, for our mentees. So helping to fill that gap with them, even finding contractors, being able to say, okay, how do we become more of a leader in that space so that we have contractors that can scale and take over the the projects and get things done from beginning to end. Um, so that's one way to do it. But when that's not necessarily an option, it is really about building relationships. Um, again, like hiring, hiring slow and firing fast. So making sure that you have those options yeah. Yeah. so that when things do come up or if someone does disappear or something happens, you have other folks that are ready to go that you can kind of move in their space. And the, the hardest part of that, and I think this is one of the lessons that we've learned along the way, is making that call sooner, mm, right? Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. a lot of times you like, you know, kind of, well, well they said they're going to come tomorrow or they said they're yeah. going to come next week and maybe they'll be back two weeks from then. Well, at that point, you've wasted 
six weeks worth of interest payments or whatever it is. Um, and so really being intentional about making those calls, understanding how to trust your gut so they can make shifts um, faster when you need to. How do you deal with like, for example, contractors and you know how each contractor has their own kind of like agreement, but yep. you know, the agreement doesn't say they take any penalties or delays or, you know, things that happen, right? They just do it. But then how do you go about firing them and then recouping? Hopefully you didn't pay too much into the, each payment so that way you, way you can just jump to the next contractor. Yeah. So that's the key, not getting too far ahead on your yes. payments, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can negotiate the contract. So you have them sign your own contract, especially if you're doing more and more deals, you can kind of hold hold them accountable to that um, a little bit better. Um, but at the very least, if nothing else, don't get too far ahead on your draws. Yep. So if your very first draw, um, you know, sometimes you have folks who are writing 50% of the rehab as the very first draw. Well, the truth of the matter is they need enough to do demo and get a dumpster, right? right? Like, yeah. let's let's chop this up a little bit. And there's no material cost when it comes to demo. So it's, it's all labor. They're not going to pay their guys before the work's done. So you got to you got to kind of know what, what's going on and be able to, to, to talk to talk. Yeah. And that's where mentors, you know, come in and yep. coaches come in. Like we had to learn that again the hard way. Um, but nowadays it's, you know, more and more people have resources and access and now there's, you know, YouTube and everything else to be able to help guide you um, at least a little bit to say, you know, don't get too ahead because yeah. if something happens, that's how you're able to recoup and move more nimbly mm -hmm. when you're not too far ahead financially. Very true. And yeah, having mentors and people who've done it before can help you oversee some of it and just give you suggestions uh, really mm -hmm. matters because there's there's some good contractors and there's some bad contractors and you don't know who you're getting and then yeah. the pricing can be completely different for the same exact project if you explain yeah. it the exact same way you'll get five different pricings how do you know who's, who's the best one and it's really tough and then the next part is how you know the contracts and if they're good or bad and if if they're in your favor or totally in the contractor's favor that's scary yeah. too. so being open to be working with the right team the right people to help guide you through it and mentees and mentors to help uh, matters because even for me when I get quotes for stuff sometimes I get five different quotes I'm like I know this guy just selling it like and saying he can do all that stuff but when you look down and dirty it's not really what it is right yeah yeah yep. exactly right you got to Take a look at the quote. Take a look at the scope. Make sure it's it's all inclusive. Everything's yeah. in in there. Yep. Um, uh, check out the person's quality. Go to some of the projects that they have actively, mm -hmm. if if you can. Now, in, in in this environment, in this space right now, things are moving fast. Contractors are busy. They probably don't have time to have you walk through three or four different houses and call references and do all those types of things. Still, if you're new, go through your process. Right. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're going through your process so that you feel comfortable moving forward with a contractor. That makes sense because, for example, even though if you want to get in your first deal, you don't you just don't want to jump into it. You want to like do your research, get your all your team in order in place. I know it's hard to say that because price properties are moving, right? But if you don't yeah. understand your team and you just jump in, I need to remodel, and if every day that's vacant, you're going to cost a lot of money. So you're going to pick the first contractor. The first contractor is going to know, and they're going to scam you, right? In a, in a sense, charge you more than they should be. Yeah, it's scary it's too. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah, yeah. And then go by the rules too, right? It is. And if you go by referrals, it helps a little bit too, uh, because now you, you've seen some, maybe one of your friends, family has done a project and they work with this yep. guy and they trust him in a sense, but you still got to do your own due diligence that Absolutely. you can work with them. That matter that matters too a lot and the reputation and hopefully Yelp reviews help a lot too. If you find good ones who can give you yep. a fair pricing and yep. get a couple prices and look online too, like, hey, what's the example price in my area to do a, a remodel? You know, in our area, bathrooms alone are 15 to 25,000 per bathroom. Yeah. 
So it's crazy, wow. right? Wow. Yeah, I don't. I still don't. Wow. Most people in California nowadays are starting to look at places like Baltimore because that's that's just we're not paying that for a bathroom. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, no. Not here. No. <laughs> the work is the same, but I know the cost went up. Everything went up. But like, for example, yeah. a bathroom took seven days to do it. So seven thousand sounds about fair, for example. But we know in the Bay Area it's about fifteen twenty-five. But those guys are charging twenty-five for a five by eight. I'm like, why are you charging twenty-five? That's just the cost right now, and people right. will pay for it. I'm like, damn, that's the demand, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's closer to what what we would do more like seven seven seventy five hundred all in. Yeah. That's tile. fair. That's fair. Yeah. And I know material goes up and down, but hey, the owner's still paying for uh, all the materials on top of it, not not the rough end. And you're still gonna charge me twenty five or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So going to Baltimore, going to other cities helps a lot too because now you you can invest out of state, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so talking right. about that too, how like you know how do people how do you use other people's money to invest in real estate? Yeah, so it's all about how you structure the deal. Um, and so we structure, we've been very creative with how we structure deals. Our very first deal, we actually worked with a nonprofit lender to get the funding for the renovation. It was a $120,000 renovation on our first deal. Um, and so that set the foundation for being creative on how we have that audacity to ask when it comes to getting access to funding. Um, and also, you know, how we set the stage for being creative on on future deals. So we have we've done nonprofit lending, we've done seller financing, we've put together subject to deals, we've put together a little yeah. bit of everything. We've Hard money, Hard private money. financing. Maybe you you name it, we've probably done. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that is nice because I don't I don't think most buyers will intentionally want want to ask because they don't know like why would a seller want to finance it? Don't they want their money and run away? Why would they want to finance you? Or why does a nonprofit want to finance you? Why does hard money? I get it. And then there's different kind of hard money lenders too in different point systems, right? How do you mm -hmm. know who to use and how do you know to ask? Yeah, so we teach we talk about fin financing. Um, and different financing options as tools in your financial tool belt, right? So there's going to be a specific time when you use a hammer versus when you're using a wrench. And so that's the same way we kind of think about the different options with creative financing. And so with a seller, for example, someone who owns a property free and clear um, and really just needs the money because they want steady income, they don't want to deal with the property anymore, and they used to have a tenant, well, they're already used to getting monthly payments. It's a natural conversation to say, OK, well, rather than, you know, we blow the bank and, and now you have to you know, pay all these capital gains, you have to do all of these things. What if I pay you, you know, a thousand dollars a month for the next hundred months versus giving you one hundred thousand dollars cash right now? You know, what does that what are your goals as a seller and how can I solve them while also making sure that the deal works for me? And so that's kind of how we we frame those discussions. And then when it comes to things like, um, you know, what kind of hard money lender or type of other lender, we let the numbers help make those decisions as well as our exit strategy. So a, a hard money lender that's going to charge me, you know, whatever, six points and 18 <laughs> percent. Um, I have to have the, the loan uh, paid off the term six months. That's not going to work on a project where I'm doing a, a you know, vacant house in Baltimore that's like a front wall with a tree growing up the middle um, and the, you know, the construction's going up higher. So I can't pay, you know, those types of numbers to be able to get in and get out. Right. So there's different types of lenders with different terms that fit better for deals um, than they do others. So we try to really focus on what are our numbers, what is our goal and our exit strategy, and then backing into what's going to be the best 
tool in our financial tool belt to get that done. Yeah. Nice. So let's say a, a mentee wants to start getting in real estate, but they don't really have that much money. How do they start learning of all these different financial options and who did it, who do they talk to and how do they meet them? Yeah. They come talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's the benefit of um, one thing that's really great about um, how we have our structure with how we mentor folks is that our mentorship is focused on investing in real estate in Baltimore. So I know a lot of people talk about investing in real estate in general, which is great. Um, but we get really, really specific into the Baltimore market. So we can talk about, you know, who the lenders are on the ground, who the contractors are that we know, who are the inspectors who, you know, really get into it, literally screen shares of filing permits so that folks, when they're coming in, especially if they don't have an unlimited source of funds, they can focus those funds on their goals and accomplishing them versus kind of running around trying to do a whole lot of things that don't quite make sense. Um, but also be able to learn again from our from our mistakes and our successes mm -hmm. on how we've been able to structure things and grow so that they can do so so much so much better. But outside of that, you know, there's you know we have a YouTube channel that we share a lot of information on, and there's tons of information out there to set at least the foundation of understanding. But when it's time to take action in Baltimore, usually folks end up knocking on our door to make that happen. That's a good point because yeah, everything you can find everything online, but to really take the next step is really to have a mentor or coach guide you through the process because what you see online is not the full details because there's so many hours behind the scenes to really understand everything financially, uh, just regarding the vesting, the contracting, all the work involved, and then at the end, the exit strategy, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the landscape's constantly changing yeah. everywhere, yeah. right? Like new rules, new laws, new regulations, new processes, new people. Um, so you really want somebody who's still in the game, who's still doing it actively every single day, mm -hmm. who's fully aware of what's going on and, 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 um, and can share that information. Yeah, that's very true. And then for example, yeah, that's the part of it. And then when they start doing it and then getting comfortable with it and learning more, then they can keep, you know, just keep building that wealth. The first couple of deals, always the hardest deals ever to take place because you haven't done it yet. When yep. you go with someone else who has done it, then it's so much smoother, so much faster. You don't have to go through all the hard knocks to get there. And then you exactly. can hopefully grow and make money at the same time with them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Most people, most of our mentees are buying property in less than six months. So they come in, get that first deal in and done. And then by the end of the year, you know, they've done a couple of deals by then. Like we have, yeah. we have quite a few people that come in with no properties and end their year with double digit portfolios as number, number of doors, um, which is awesome because they yeah. focus on, let me work out the kinks early on. I'll leverage you guys as I'm going through that process. And then, and then it's kind of the the training wheels are off and everyone's just running to to hit their goals and help us impact the community. Like our big goal is uh, 2,400 doors in the next four years with our mentees. And yeah. so really making sure that we're setting that foundation of understanding and empowering them with information and resources in order to make that happen. That's really cool because you know, when you start working with especially all the lenders uh, vendors out there contractors and you're building a community and they they know that they want to work with you and empower you and also help refer other people to be a part of that process of you know improving the communities in general yeah. and the buildings so that's nice because you're really creating uh like an ecosystem right like a exactly. platform for them absolutely do people talk about like hey you're gentrifying the neighborhoods you're raising the rents you're changing everything up here it's not the same as before but you, you guys believe in community but do people feel that way or, sent, or ask? Yeah. So I think that um, I think that's that's a natural first thought, right? That's yeah. a natural first conversation is around 
um, is around gentrification. Like if you're, you know, renovating these properties, if you're going into these neighborhoods, you're going to spur gentrification. And so there's a few parts to that, right? One is um, the definition of gentrification is raising the standards of a community to middle class, right? We all like fresh food and grocery stores. We all like to walk our dogs and we all like to ride our bikes and bike lanes. So that isn't necessarily the issue. The issue is more so displacement. And so something that we and kind of there's quite a there's a few issues, but displacement being one of the, the big ones. And so our model on how we think about and how we actually take action in in real estate is how we're able to embed the community with what we're doing. Like what is the goals of the current residents and how do we help support that goal and mission? And then also, you know, how do we fit in affordable housing with what we're doing? So if we're flipping a house that's market rate, we're usually doing an affordable housing project with a nonprofit within the same neighborhood, within the same space, so that we're creating that balance um, and holding space for, yes, for new life and new folks to, to come in who want to be part of these communities and integrate within the communities that are already there, but also making sure we're holding space for home ownership and rental properties to be affordable in the same in the same neighborhoods. Yeah. That's really good too, because most people either stick with one side or other. They don't really say, I'll try to do both unless you're a developer, you, you know, requirement wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most people just stick, stick with that. They focus on just growing their own portfolios rather than helping the community and creating affordable housing, especially that's challenging too, because you get this certain requirements for that. And yeah. to be able to do both is really cool. And that's a really great mission too, because it shows that the care in the community and you're building it and people will definitely want to be a part of that more so. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. And it's it's all collaborative effort, right? And so obviously there's two of us that so we're able to do a little bit more in a day than, than most people, but, um, but also being able to collaborate and work with organizations who have been on the ground forever, mm-hmm. who've been doing great work forever and just really needed someone who, and people who understood their mission, and also had the expertise to be able to come together and do do amazing things. So we've been really excited and, and humbled uh, to be part of that um, journey in Baltimore with some of the, the big affordable housing projects that Baltimore has underway right now. And when we say affordable housing, it's not just rental, it's home ownership. Home ownership, yeah. Right? So being able to provide permanent, like affordable home ownership opportunities where the market rate may be $200,000, $250,000, and we're providing houses at 130, 150, mm-hmm. and subsidizing those with different grants and different opportunities to make sure that the numbers work, um, so that the contractors are still happy. But the the mortgage is cut in half, mm-hmm. right? They're paying substantially less than what they would uh, for their mortgage uh, compared to what they were paying renting in the same area. Yep. So making sure that, and it, it takes a little longer to to your point. It's a little more cumbersome. It's tough. Um, but it's important to us. Yeah, and they get the same exact finishes of our market rate housing, so that's always great too. They still Can't have tell the, the island. They still have a porch. They, like it's, nice. it's a beautiful house. Yeah, um, high quality. It will last well into the you know centuries from now type of thing. Um, but yeah, we're, we're it's something that we're certainly passionate about. It makes us both smile. I like that because, you know, like, for example, there's not enough housing period, right? So to be able to build affordable housing and, you know, market rate housing is great. And then when you're changing community to the landscape, you're giving um, people who, who can't necessarily afford it homes that they can get now as owners or as renters and being able to create that community for them too. I'm sure when you walk around the block, people see you, they're going to be like really hot, say hi, and be really appreciative because you're helping uh, create a real community and not, not just people who do, do displacements, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, we're not just coming in and cashing out. We, we yeah. get really invested in the whole neighborhood. Yep. 
Exactly. And that speaks about generational wealth and opportunity and just community, right? Exactly. For better for your family, for everyone else's family. And it just builds upon each other. And people see that they want to join in and do it to, with you and yeah. for themselves, right? Absolutely. That's a, big, a lot of work. How do you even get all that stuff done with you two and Michaela? Yeah, yeah I know, right? It's a whole team. No, we do. We have a whole team. Um, having the, the construction company is great. Charm City Buyers, we have um, quite a few people that work with us and alongside us um, as part of our team um, as we've grown because yeah. it is. It's tough to be able to do all of the big initiatives and things that we want to accomplish and still manage the day-to-day of running a business. And so... Uh, we have like the best team out there yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. to support everything that we're looking to do and accomplish. And we still have to find time to be married, right? mm-hmm. to be together, to be a family, yeah. to go for walks, to go and have fun and play sports and sporting events and stuff like that. Um, yeah, my babies. So we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we make sure that we are um, we're, we're well supported. Our, our W2 employees are fantastic. The rest of our team members, our contractors, et cetera, they're all fa- fantastic. Um, uh, so we're excited and, and uh, moving forward. <laughs> It's crazy how you guys get so much done too, because it shows how well you guys work together, but also at the same time, how well you can get so many things done. Because most people in the day-to-day life can't get as nearly as much done as you guys are doing and having building a team, building trust, building community, having your own general contracting team in-house as well. And then also you guys do um, some housing development with the mayor, right? That's a, that's a lot. And you have family and kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because of the work we're doing and because of the passion and because of community focus, we've been invited to different tables, which allows mm-hmm. us to, again, share more and lift as we climb for folks who are, are uh, like-minded, community-centered, uh, and passionate about um, positive change. Yeah. So recently, we were excited to, to join the mayor's um, housing committee, uh, uh, transition committee, rather, for housing and neighborhood development, um, and be able to just kind of share our expertise um, be able to share our wisdom, the things that we're seeing as we're in the trenches and, and other people within that uh, that, that co- committee sharing um, their expertise. It's about 20 to 30 of us, um, nonprofit, for-profit, realtors, developers, uh, community members, uh, political folks, a little bit of everything um, coming together around the table and saying, okay, well, a, a Zoom table because of everything going on <laughs> yeah. and saying, okay, how do we and, and what do we prioritize to make Baltimore a better place? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool because you built an amazing audience, a collaborative community, and you're able to get involved now at a higher level than normal normal investors. You're going into different development projects. You're working with investors, developers, mayor, housing, community, and you're making a big impact. That's kind of cool because most people don't make big impacts, right, directly to improve the community. That's a lot of work and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fun too. Like you can see the energy, energy you guys have is just like radiant, right? So people will see that and they're attracted to working with you and people out there who are listening see that and they're like, wow, I, I wanna work on that. I wanna be part of that and I wanna invest with you too. How do, like you have mentees and everything, but like do you have passive investors as well as active investors? Do you JV partnership deals? What do you guys do to work with people? Yeah, so we we definitely um, to your point, right? We we take a lot of things on, and so currently we've been really focused on our our mentees and our portfolio and our businesses. Um, as far as kind of gen, uh, JVs and private, we don't do a, a lot of JVs. We have a, a big project that we're going to be announcing coming up real soon, um, where where we are working with another developer. Um, but outside of that, um, we have been kind. Of, there will be more information coming out yeah. about how to invest with us. 
um, and through us. And so we're putting something together that we hope to announce by the fall for all the people who reach out to us every single day, looking to say, how do I support you guys' mission by um, allowing you to, you know, lending some money or, or, you know, providing some equity in your deals. And so um, this fall will be providing that that opportunity and opening up the doors to work with more folks um, to, to support the projects that we're working on. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun too, because now you're, it's different. Like you talk about other people's money and being able to provide and, and join in on it. And they get, the, they feel the impact as well now, because when they're joining in getting equity partners, any kind of splits um, in any way, any fashion or form that you get the word out faster. And it, as you keep growing and building people want to more and more people will want to join you and do it even at a greater level. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly right. It's it's yeah. so weird to be turning money down all the time, right? And so we really <laughs> it's a good to, problem to have, right? <laughs> it's a good problem to have, you're right. It is it's a great problem to have. And so we really want to to be able to, you know, bring people along the journey with us and, and empower more people to to do great work um and to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I think a lot of us are really just looking to be part of something bigger than ourselves and build a legacy mm -hmm. that's going to last way beyond us. And so we want to help create that vehicle to do exactly that with us in Baltimore. Yeah. Very nice. So like going back to the mentee program, like tell us about the mentee program. What is that about? Yeah. So that's the next gen accelerator. Um, and so our next gen accelerator is focused on um, getting started in scaling in real estate in Baltimore. And so that's when we're able to guide folks through the mental aspect of investing, uh, you know, how you find contractors and find great deals and understand neighborhoods in a city that's block to block and, you know, go through it really soup to nuts. Um, on how to invest in real estate in Baltimore, but even beyond that, kind of taking it out of just the theory of getting all this stuff done, but really supporting folks for a year on the practice. And so being able to co get coaching um, from us directly, from our team directly, um, connecting people with lenders and agents and deals and all of these different pieces to really help guide along the way of you know, having an idea or a concept to either start in real estate or growing a substantial portfolio to actually getting it done. And we have people who have gone from, you know, zero to 10 in a year to zero to, to 22 occupied units in 18 months and really just being able to focus on and people, who, you know, buy two or three because that's mm -hmm. what they want to do. But but really guide people through that process and, and honing in on what are your goals what are you looking to accomplish? And then how to create a plan in order to, to do exactly that. The same thing that we did when we got started. That's the foundation of what we do with our mentees. So that's the next gen accelerator. Through that, we plan on uh, doing that 2,400 doors in the next four years um, with and through our mentees and be able to really uh, change the narrative on what development and progress um, from a real estate perspective looks like in a city like Baltimore. Nice. I love it. That's a really good goal. And that's puts a puts a big strong purpose in mind. And I'm sure all your mentees want to hit it with you because they want to help you and themselves reach that goal and just be a part of it. And that's a it'll be a lot of fun. And you have that you have to have a big celebration when you hit that number, you know? Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we love to have a good party. So I'm sure yeah. I'm sure we'll figure that one out. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You'll be you'll be there really soon because when you set that goal there, people will push you to, to get there easily. Absolutely. Yep. So yep. what's one of the most important lessons that you would tell a new investor, someone who wants to join in or just a new investor anywhere right now, it's already half the year 2021 and people, some people have been lagging, right? What can mm -hmm. they do to get started and really move? Yeah. 
Yeah, the first thing I would tell somebody is um, is to jump, mm -hmm. right? Take that leap of faith. Understand that it's not going to be easy. It's an uphill battle at first, but it'll be so worth it. So just jump, you know, be patient with yourself. Learn as you go and surround yourself with people who want to see you win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good one. Like your circle, your environment, I think is really important. Surrounding yourself with people who have either been where you're trying to get to or headed where you're trying to go can be transformational in that process of going along your own journey. Um, and so um, I would say, you know, get in the room, you know, invest in yourself, make sure you're getting and surrounding yourself with people like that so that you are um, normalizing what your goals are so that you can shoot even further um, into, you know, accomplishing the, the huge impacts that we're meant to make. Yep. Nice. So like, for example, going to real estate association events, going to, going to meetups, going to anything about real estate, any type that you want, single family, multifamily, fix and flips, wholesaling, the more you're in the door, listening, learning, talking to people networking, meeting vet different vendors, the more comfortable you'll be, the more questions you hear, the more answers you hear at and at get, the yep. more that you'll be fast you'll accelerate yourself faster and once you find the right team of people you just gotta jump and go for it right exactly yeah, pretty much what it is really entails and the hard part is just taking the first step and if your friends and family are not there with you doesn't matter like you guys just said just go at it go alone go with the partner and just make it happen right exactly yep. consistent action that's what it's all about might be small actions but make sure you're doing something every single day to help push you towards your goals Perfect. Exactly. I was thinking. Uh, so how do people reach out to you and then how can they get started working with you guys? Yeah. So you can um, find us at charmcitybuyers.com or um, on Instagram is at charmcitybuyers. We're actually at charmcitybuyers everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and we also have a YouTube channel. So you can find us Charm City Buyers, on YouTube as well. Yep. Nice. Look forward to hearing more from you guys and creating some future events, talk about different parts of real estate and, you know, invite an audience to um, online events, physical events. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Uh, learned a lot and I'm glad to have everyone, you know, take a part of it. Make sure you listen twice and really take a first step to do that. So for thank everyone you. out there, be sure to listen to Truth About Real Estate, our podcast on YouTube and Apple, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us.